Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 26, volume 26, week 26, number 26. How are we going, guys? How has your week been? Hope you're excited. We've got a brand new show this week and lots in store, as always. We've got all the Mosh news, we've got Mosh reviews, and our Mosh interview this week is with none other than Des of Devil Driver and Cold Chamber fame. All of that is coming up in the show. So let's kick off with the Mosh news this week. We had Aborted release a new music video, their first taste of their new album. The song is called Squalor Opera. It's from the album called Terror Vision that is coming out very soon on Century Media. And this is Aborted Done Well. They're brutal, they're savage, the drumming work, the guitar work, the vocals, everything about this is death metal as it should be, and it's executed with masterpiece precision. Can't wait to hear this album when it comes out. It will be coming out September 21st through Century Media, and we will be, of course, reviewing that when it does get released. We had a new song and album announced by the Grindcore Icons Pig Destroyer this week. The album will be called Head Cage. It will be released September 7th through Relapse Records. And they released the first song, the first music video called Army of Cops. This is just brutal. This is just an assault of the senses. If you're a fan of Grindcore... And this really quick, technical, abrasive music, then you know who Pig Destroyer are. For me, it's a bit too much, but I can respect and I can appreciate what it is. And it is fucking immensely talented and immensely proficient what it is. And Pig Destroyer, uh, as I said, icons, they really have led the way for this style alongside other bands like Napalm Death. So that album, as I said, it's Head Cage. It's coming out September 7th through Relapse Records. More album and music video news was announced this week by Revocation. Album will be titled The Outer Ones. It will be released September 28th through Metal Blade Records. And to coincide with the news, they released a music video for the song Of Unworldly Origin. So Revocation have toured Australia a few times and they're one of those bands that I think are underappreciated. This album will be their seventh album and this album will hopefully push them even further into this realm of technical death metal. It's a really entertaining song, really good video and just the absolute mastery this band have in delivering some really quite intricate songs there's so much going on here but it's so savage at the same time so as i said the song is called of unworldly origin and the album is called the outer ones and it's coming out september 28th through metal blade records thrice announced this week that their new album will be called palms it's coming out in september on epitaph records And to coincide with the news, they also released the first music video from the album called The Grey. Thrice are one of those bands that I remember discovering around their start of their career. And they've always had that unique ability of being very artistic 
but very dynamic and very crushing at the same time. This song is really beautiful and really engaging. The album will be very exciting because Thrice disappeared for a while, as you may or may not know, and now they've come back. They released an album not long ago, and now it's time for a new one. So the song's called The Grey, the album's called Palms, and it will be coming out September 14th through Epitaph Records. Other news this week was Sydney band Wrath have unleashed an absolute fucking amazing song called Artificial Bloom. The track is apparently going to come from a split release coming out in September. Now, Wrath are from Sydney, as I said, and they're a band that kind of blur the line between new metal and Acacia Strain style deathcore. So... It sounds like a bit of a mix, but it works really well. Wrath have already released an EP, and it's now time for them to follow it up with this split release. If anything to go by, by Artificial Bloom, I think we're in for an absolute stellar, stellar set of songs by this band. And also, I think this band are further cementing themselves as one of the hot up-and-coming bands out of New South Wales. Other news this week was Fox Bat uh, releasing their debut album on August the 3rd, and they have released a very fucking funny, very entertaining song called Grim Reaper from that album. The album's going to be called Rot Gut. Now, Fox Bat are a band that I discovered by chance, and their style is very southern metal, in a way of Maylene and the Sons of Disaster, mixed with Every Time I Die, mixed with cancer bats very entertaining very good stuff some amazing melodic hooks going on in that song as well so that album august 3rd it's called rot gut and that song is called grim reaper also this week we had a brand new prophets of rage song released and the song is called heart of fire and it's from their upcoming album which we don't know much about at the moment First thing I've got to say about Prophets of Rage is, are they really relevant in the musical landscape? I mean, this song did zero for me. It kind of felt very confused, very mashed up, and felt way too late 90s for me. Didn't gauge, as I said, and I don't know. I think the gimmick of Rage Against the Machine mixed with Cypress Hill, I think that gimmick should be gone now, isn't it? But apparently it's not. Apparently it's worth a whole nother album. I've heard reports that they're horrible and boring live, so there will be people who will like this, but personally for me, Prophets of Rage, no thank you. Crossfaith released a new song this week. The song is called Catastrophe, and it's from their upcoming album called X Machina through Unified Central on August the 3rd. Wow. As I said previously on other shows, Crossfaith kind of had their momentum, then they kind of lacked a bit of momentum with all these EPs and electronic stuff, but it seems like they're really going for a heavy sound, back to that metalcore sound. Really enjoyed this song and really excited for this album. And also... On another side note, it's a really exciting signing for Unify. I think it shows how Unify are actually starting to develop as a label. Instead of continually signing these emo 
boring indie rock bands. They've finally signed a band that has a little bit more of a broad reach and really can't wait to get my hands on that album. So the album is Ex Machina and as I said, August 3rd. So other news this week was Comeback Kid released a new music video for their song I'll Be That which is off their last album they released called Outsider. Really entertaining song and one of the best albums released last year in the hardcore punk genre without a doubt. Fit for a King unleashed a new music video for their song The Price of Agony, which is off their new album coming out on Solid State Records on September 14th. And finally in news... Attila have returned with a music video for their song, Pizza. And yeah, the song is all about pizza. Some people like this band, some people don't like this band. My view on Attila is they definitely have their fans and they definitely have their haters. For me, it's not my thing. I find it very cringy and very wasteful. I think this band could do a lot more with their music if they actually applied themselves. But hey, there are people that love it. So as I said, it's called Pizza. It's by Attila and that music video is out now as well. So that is it for the Mosh News. Now all those music videos we spoke about, all the artwork for those albums we spoke about, all the pre-order details for those albums we spoke about, can be found on our website and social medias. Of course, our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at The Mosh Zone, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So make sure you're visiting the website, jumping on the social medias as frequently and as often as you can, and you can stay up to date with all the latest music videos, tour news, album news, all of that, as soon as it is released. Now it's time for Mosh Reviews. First up this week, we've got the new album by Chelsea Grin called Eternal Nightmare, out now on Rise Records. This album is probably the most interesting Chelsea Grin album to talk about, only because there's quite a bit to talk about it. Now what I mean with that is that Founding vocalist Alex left the band earlier in this year to focus on his health and Chelsea Green also parted ways with both guitarists. So, coming into this album, there is a new vocalist, Tom Barber of ex-Lorna Shaw fame, plus new guitarists. So, with all of this at the helm, you have a feeling that Chelsea Green would want to push on and try and make a bit of a difference in their career. They're a band that have really kind of stagnated, especially since their last album in 2016, which was called Self-Inflicted. Chelsea Grin are one of those bands that when you talk of deathcore, they're always a name that is most likely to come up. But they're definitely, unfortunately to say, not one of those bands that are pushing deathcore further forward and really trying to make things more meaningful and refreshing when it comes to that sound of deathcore. They're a band that stick very much to a predictable path and keep things straightforward in that sound. Now, I spoke about 2016's Self-Inflicted album, and the reason I did, because that album was very bland, very forgettable, and 
very much deeply entrenched this band in just being in that lane of same, same, same. With lineup changes going into Eternal Nightmare, you expect, as I said, the band don't really have a chance, you'd think, to stick to the same. You think really now's the time that they need to give it a go. Unfortunately, the same problems they had with self-inflicted are rearing their heads on Eternal Nightmare. There is obviously all the things you expect with the deathcore sound, fat, meaty chugs, constant non-stop stream of breakdowns that are constantly wheeled out by every band in the genre and every release that Chelsea Grin have done. Now there is that appeal for any deathcore fan that they do like this sound, they will enjoy this sound, but anyone that's really wanting to be challenged by music or challenged in a deathcore sense, they're not going to find it here. Tom, the new vocalist, does do a great performance, but he's really let down by all the instrumentation that's going on around him. His performance is very good, but when you put it beside this musicianship, it just falls into very lackluster, very generic. And unfortunately, generic is the term that can really sum up this album perfectly. I have a feeling Chelsea Grin have just plundered through a no real effort release. And I feel that, unfortunately, because there's not a lot of variation on the themes or styles or structures, that this album will just fall by the wayside. And for Chelsea Grin, it's really bad timing because going into their next album, if we get a next album, that's going to be when things are really important for this band, like it should have been for this album. So summing things up with Eternal Nightmare, it's very much a blatant rehash of everything that Deathcore by numbers is. Now, when a band like Amua came back, they really refreshed themselves and gave a new energy and new blood. Chelsea Green have done the opposite. They have gone down the wrong path with new blood in the ranks. Unfortunately, this album is not of any importance in the overarching deathcore sound and very forgettable, as I said. Don't really want to harp on it too much, but if you like deathcore, really go and search for something else. This is not worth your time. If you're after some just no real thought, mind-numbing breakdowns and chugs going on, then it might entertain you for a while, but like I said, it's not going to stay with you for long. The album I am talking about is Eternal Nightmare. It is by Chelsea Grin, out now on Rise Records, and we do give it a 3 out of 10. Next album up for review this week is the new one by Between the Buried and Me, and it's called Automator 2. So, it seems like not long ago this year we had Automator Part 1, and this is Part 2. So, with this release, what are you expecting? Well, you're expecting Between the Buried and Me at their finest. Now, this Part 2 will take a bit more time than Part 1 to digest because there is so much going on here and some really bizarre concepts but coming from Between the Buried and Me and their progressive pushing the envelope styles you do feel a lot of the times like what the fuck but then after a couple of moments you go fuck yeah digging it 
And what I'm referring to is things like there's a, a banjo interlude in the opening track. There's scatting vocals in another song. There is so much going on here. And the thing about it is while it feels random, it feels well organized and it's well thought through. This is a band that never ceased to amaze me with how much they love their music writing and how much they love the music they create. After almost 16 years or more as a band, they constantly put themselves out there into uncharted territory and constantly keep their music fresh and exciting. Now, as I said earlier, there is the bizarre moments, but then there is also those moments that you do know that Between the Buried and Me can deliver. It's still heavy when it wants to be. It's still visceral when it wants to be. But then it's also very beautiful, very amazing. It is art. This band creates art. So is there anything negative about this release? Well, the only thing negative I have to say is I don't know whether it was worthwhile splitting up Automator into a part one and part two. I don't think it was necessary. I do know that the two EPs do run at a long time, so the album would have ended up over the 70-minute mark, but I think that probably would have been better. I think it feels a bit over the top, splitting it into a double release. But that really is only negative I could really say. This is definitely an album for anyone that loves their progressive metal, their progressive metal core, their gent. You know, if you love Between the Buried and Me, if you love Periphery, if you love these bands that push the envelope and create art, as I've called it already, this will definitely appease you. If you haven't really got into progressive metal or the gent sound yet, Between the Buried and Me are an awesome place to start. They're without a doubt one of the best in the game, if not the best in the game. So this would definitely be a great place to start. If you're not quite into that experimental music, that, you know, pushing the envelopes and throwing things in like banjos and scats and things like this and very long songs, if you're not into all of that, maybe this wouldn't be for you. But if you do want to give it a go, I really, really recommend it. Thoroughly enjoyable. The album I am talking about, or actually technically EP, is Automator 2. It's by Between the Buried and Me. It is out now on Sumerian Records, and we do give it an 8 out of 10. Last album up for review this week is the new album by Berry Tomorrow called Black Flame, out now. So, Berry Tomorrow are an English metalcore band, and as simple or bad as that can sound, I mean it in a positive way when it comes to Berry Tomorrow. Metalcore is what they do, but metalcore they do at the highest of levels. This album, Black Flame, is their fifth album, and they've been a band that have really grown from strength to strength with each album. They're a band that I have loved and backed heavily since the first moment I heard their first EP. Each album they have released has shown how strong they are as a band, how strong their writing abilities are, and this album certainly maintains that ability. They have this ability 
on each album to have some massive songs, some bangers after bangers on it. And this album, Black Flame, certainly has the same. First thing you notice with this album as soon as it kicks off, that going into album five as a metalcore band, you could, as a band, go down a softer path. A bit more accessibility, as you may put it. But the one thing Berry Tomorrow have done is they haven't gone soft. They have gone in heavy on this album. This album has so much aggression, so much fire behind it, so much passion, so much love for what they do, and you hear it from the moment the first song kicks off. Another thing about this band that I have mentioned is how well they've honed their craft over the years, and on this album it is so evident. The songwriting is next level. They have this ability to write massive hooks. Now, hooks usually we think of in a vocal ability. Now, the vocals all have hooks. The choruses are catchy. The screaming that goes on by Dan is catchy. All of it is written in mind that sticks in your head. But the other thing with the hooks, they also come in the form of the riffing going on, the breakdowns going on. All of this is written in a way that gets in your head. Breakdowns, when I mention breakdowns, we sometimes think they're overused or oversaturated in a genre, which it can be. Deathcore is a classic example. But on this album, Bury Tomorrow, find a way to make sure each breakdown has its purpose and it's never in the same part of every song and it never is the same style of breakdown, which is so refreshing to hear. Breakdowns need to be used cleverly and Bury Tomorrow use them exactly in that way. They use them to really accentuate the song instead of just filling in a part of a song. As you'd expect on a release like this, The production is very slick, it's very polished, it's very large, it's very grand sounding, and that's not a negative thing to say. Another big positive about this album is being only 10 tracks, what Barry Tomorrow have done is they've made sure there's no fat here, they've trimmed things down, every song is a 10 out of 10, every song is standing on its own two feet and has its own purpose on the album. Now, also with that, being 10 tracks, sometimes on a release, you're front heavy. Now, what I mean by that is the release is very strong at the start and then kind of wanes off at the end. Thing about this album, it seems to be very strong at the front and at the back. There's songs on the end of this album like Stormbringer and Peacekeeper that are as strong as songs up the front. Songs up the front like Adrenaline and More Than Mortal. Such a strong album. All the writing, all the songs are so well delivered. Barry Tomorrow definitely know their strengths and they've played to it very well. This album, without a doubt, should cement them as a headliner in Europe, in America and in Australia. I think this album can really catch on. Maybe some people have not given them a go in the past and I think this could be that album and it should be that album. This is Metalcore straight to your throat going for vengeance. This is Metalcore done in its purest form and at its best form. I can't recommend this enough. It really blew me away. 
I went in a bit nervous, not sure what I was going to get, and what I got was an absolute standout album. Without a doubt, so far, the best metalcore album we have seen in 2018. Amazing. Front to back, amazing. Can't recommend it enough. If you like your metalcore, if you like your riffs, if you like your breakdowns, if you like that bit of beauty and beast vocal delivery going on, you can't go past this album. Outstanding. So the album I am talking about is Black Flame. It is by Barry Tomorrow. It is out now. And we do give it a 10 out of 10. So that's it for Mosh Reviews this week. We are done and dusted with that segment. What did you think of our reviews? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Is there something coming out that we've missed? Is there an EP or an album that we might have not reviewed yet that you'd like us to review get in touch are you in a band and you've got an ep or an album coming out or has recently come out get in touch love to hear from you guys now of course if you want to get in touch you can get in touch through our email which is themoshzone at gmail.com you can also get in touch on our social medias which are all at the mosh zone you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter or you can get in touch through the website, which is www.themoshzone.com. It's now time for our Mosh interview of the week. This week, we got to sit down with the legendary Des of Devil Driver and Coal Chamber fame. An absolute massive opportunity and so thankful for Des taking time out for the Mosh Zone. Great opportunity to get to know all about Des about his upbringing, about the history of Coal Chamber, the history of Devil Driver, and of course, that very exciting and interesting covers album that the band recently released. All of that coming up. The chat with Des is coming up now. So, wanted to start out with probably one you've been asked before, but, you know, do you remember what age you were and how you discovered the thing that we call music? Do you remember when you noticed that there was this thing called music? Yeah, I was the kid in uh, early elementary school, third, fourth, fifth grade, uh, who came home and didn't want to play with his friends. I wanted to go straight to my parents' record collection, which was, you know, a couple hundred records. And I just, I played music all day, every day. I I got up in the morning and played their records. I went to school and this is the first thing I wanted to do is come home and play in the records collection. I knew very early on what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, Perfect example is uh, my, my stepfather had a lot of Beatles records and I've never liked the Beatles and I ended up drawing on the Beatles white album and getting my ass beat when I was younger. But, uh, from there on, I just kind of knew what I liked and what I didn't. And getting into my parents' record collection is where I found the love of music and had always been that kid, never really came home and watched cartoons. I really came home and just jammed music. I had I took the posters from their old records out and put them on my walls. And yeah, I just I became uh, very impressionable as soon as I found vinyl. So obviously, was it a very musical household? I mean, were you... Were your parents musicians or were they just big music fans? 
No, my parents were not musicians, uh, apparently just music fans. But like everybody in the 60s and 70s, you know, you had a record collection. It's like it's like then you had a tape collection, then you had a CD collection. You know, my parents had records and good thing they did because that's what got me into music. Um, and then I had a, a difficult childhood being raised. I had a lot of uh, I had a lot of abuse in the household Um and so music was my getaway. Music was my partner in crime. And when there was uh, the parents were fighting or when I was getting uh, beat, I ran to music and I could run to music and I still run to music. It's always been my it's always been my fucking uh, saving grace, you know. And do you remember what the first band that was heavy, if that's the, a loose word to use? But do you remember? Yeah, no. Yeah, uh, they had a lot of early 60s stuff and they had a man called Steppenwolf who's famous for Born Ooh. to be Wild. Yeah. And so that's the first time I heard real heaviness. I Born to be Wild, heavy metal thunder, you know, and then from there I found Kiss uh, and then found punk rock uh, very early on, very, very early on. You know, when I, I started to be big fan of, of Kiss, I was in the Kiss Army, I had their posters all over my wall and, then I found punk rock, and uh, that really set me on the path to to finding my own thing. But I always knew early on in life that I loved music that was slightly volatile, mm-hmm. slightly visceral, uh, music that had an edge. So there was some of their records that I listened to once and never listened to again, and kept finding myself going back to bands like Steppenwolf or The Doors or Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. You know. So did you think of yourself as an alternative punk rock kid? Growing up in California? I never really identified with scenes until people started to place scenes around what I was listening to. So as an example, uh, when I was 15, I was really into Psychobilly and into the Cramps and into a lot of punk rock. And I was in a Psychobilly band called the Screaming Wolves. I was a stand-up drummer. It's where I started in bands. And you know, and that's when I heard, you know, oh, you're psychobilly or you're rockabilly or you're punk rock or you're heavy metal. You know, I had just I just loved music. But of course, you've got a way of dress, a way of doing your hair, a way of a way of doing things that goes along with that style and deserves a moniker in order to know what it is. So I, I get I get that, you know, did you find I mean, as you said, you you know, you had a difficult upbringing. Did you find that the form of music you're into kind of was starting to feel like your family it made you feel like you belonged well within myself was bubbling up rebellion my whole life i've always been uh uh kind of a rebel a real a very much a loner i'm still to this day probably too private for my own good but i i knew that uh music had made a massive impact on me and that it was a source of, of, of revolution in a way. And I knew that if I, uh, if I carried on and tried to do something in music, that I would eventually be able to speak my mind on whatever I wanted to and be able to follow my dreams, whatever they may be, and do it through music. It just became a conduit. I saw it as a conduit to things rather than just uh, something that I listened to or something that is just in my life, you know, like I don't like I have friends that their music isn't even in their life. They don't even I say, like, what's your favorite band or, oh, I don't listen to music. And I just can't even fucking fathom that. It's 
it doesn't even make sense to me how how someone could be like that. So music was a conduit for me my whole life. And when when did you realize that you wanted to try and make a career out of it? When was the moment you went, this is what I want to do? Uh, well, I got tattooed when I was 15 years old. I got the Screaming Wolves logo on my arm. And my mom said, uh, of course, pissed off beyond belief because uh, I was going – she sent me to a Baptist school at the time, which freaked out on me. And I and I told her, don't worry about it. I'm going to be in a band my, my whole life, so don't worry about it. So, you know, looking back at that statement at, like, just turning 15, like, I must have I must have really known something, you know? And you were saying you – you know, you were playing drums, I think you said just then before. But when, yeah. did, when did you start – you know, really thinking, all right, I want to be the front man. Because as you said, you're a reserved person. So being the front man means you're the center of attention, unfortunately. So Right, right, which is uh, a very strange dichotomy for a, a person like me. Uh, I've been told several times that I chose the wrong wrong career because I'm just, I'm, I'm way too private to do this, what I do do. But here's when I knew... I, I didn't want to be behind a guy and look at a guy's back and look at a guy's ass my whole career. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I didn't want to do it. And, and so, and then I knew too that I was, uh, I'm a Taurus. I am better in leadership roles. I'm not a good follower. I'm a terrible follower. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing I've ever joined on in my life or followed or joined in my lifetime is Freemasonry, of course, because of the wonderful aspects that 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 holds. But other than that, I've never been a joiner in my life. So it was kind of incumbent on me, I think, at an early age to realize like, okay, and if you're going to do that, then you've got to become a front man. Then you've got to learn how to sing. Then you got to find a style. What influences you? And it's everything from psychobilly to punk rock to metal to, to reggae to fucking you know, everything from Billy Holiday to Black Flag to Bauhaus to Black Sabbath, you know, and like, so how do you put those things together? And I, that, that's how I got me and my style and whatever I do. And that's, that's why the two bands that I've started, people have to come up with names, you know, for the genre, you know, because they're, they're, they're different. You no, know? Cold Chamber is very different. Devil Driver is very different. Uh, I remember in the early days, people didn't know what to call Devil Driver. They started calling us groove metal. And then last year, Spotify added the groove metal genre and wrote us this big letter on, on how we're at the top of the groove metal genre and everything. And so, you know, I, it's just, it's strange. When you have so many influences like me and you're, and you're not a purist in any sense at all, I think it's a weird thing for people. You know, they, they, they don't get it themselves, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think as you said, the the bands you've been in have always kind of, in many ways, also set a benchmark for that period of time. I mean, you're Col- yeah, it's a trip. It, Go ahead. It's weird, but Cold Chamber kind of, you know, out of nowhere, were starting to form a trend going on with that. You know, people wanted to call it new metal, but it was starting yeah. a trend. Well, I mean, it was new metal. It was mm-hmm. metal that was fucking new at the time. And we were all doing something so different, you know? Um, and I can remember when, when Cold Chamber was selling out the Roxy in LA and we drove down to see a corn show and there was like 15 people at the show. And I said, well, this is one of the greatest bands I've seen too. Like something's going to happen here. And that genre jumped off. Um, but even with devil driver, when I, I, 
when we formed. People really didn't know what what to call it, so they started calling us groove metal. And you just got to go with those things. People need monikers. You know, if I if I can't explain to you that it's a Coca Cola, then I'm not going to be able to tell you to go through the drive through and get one. Yes. So you got to put you got to put a moniker on shit. It's just it is the way that it is. And I've come to learn to enjoy that. You know, like. Um, it's weird. You know, five years ago, the word new metal was like this ugly word. Now it's like a fucking very popular word and every band out now, many bands out now look like Cold Chamber. It's a fucking trip. I mean, go look at Lacuna Coil, go look at in this moment. Like, let me name, you know, go look at five finger death punch, go look at these bands. They look like what we used to dress like. And I think it's a fucking form of flattery that, uh, that I appreciate, and I'm humbled by every single day, you know? Now, you were speaking of Cold Chamber. You guys had been around for a while before you dropped that first album, the self-titled, and from an outsider, it felt like out of nowhere you guys blew up with the song Loco, especially because it was all over MTV and anywhere a music video was shown back when I remember music videos were important, but... What did it feel like at the time? Did it feel like you guys had been working hard at it or did it feel like it just blew oh, up out of nowhere? Fuck, it was not overnight. No way in hell was that overnight. That was, it may have seemed to people that it was overnight, but like we, we did it different than most bands. We went out in a van uh, or an RV for the first year and a half and didn't open for anybody. We were like, we were like, nope, we don't want to play with anybody. We don't want to open for anybody. You know, we want to do our own thing. And all of a sudden, it's like you arrive in Texas and there's 50 people and you have a great show, but you come there three months later and there's, you know, 700 people. And we kind of did it on our own until uh, we went to Europe and it just blew up in Europe. And when we came back, we got off the airplane and got right onto it tour bus with Pantera and did the world with them for almost three years and then jumped or almost two and a half years and then jumped on the road with Pantera and Black Sabbath and did soccer stadiums around the world. We were taking our gear in fucking cardboard boxes, man. We didn't even have, we didn't even have cases for our gear. That's how fast that happened after we had been in the trenches so long. And you got to remember too, we came from a total dead spot in music. LA was a complete fucking dead spot. If you wanted to be in a band, the last place that you moved to in the 90s was Los Angeles. Jeez. Like, it was dead. And, and you know, we, we us, and, and later on bands after us, like System of a Down and after us, like Static X and stuff, we rebuilt Los Angeles. And I watched Korn come from Orange County up to do shows at the Roxy and bring buses full of people to fucking fill their shows. Like, because we, everyone was just trying to build Los Angeles there. No one was coming to heavy metal gigs. The, the hair metal scene had completely fucking killed it, you know? And I mean, how was that also with reception? Because you're saying you're playing to crowds that are pretty much there, probably just for Pantera or Black Sabbath. And there you guys are with your different look, your different sound. Were you guys accepted or was it literally fighting to win them over uh i don't i don't know how that thing happened man but people really just fucking took to us you know it was champions like vinnie paul rest in peace you know like he championed us like in the press you know everywhere he had cold chamber on his on his uh jukebox at his house like you know 
Phil Anselmo like remembered me like this is the craziest story ever about a year before we got signed I was walking on Melrose which is a famous street in Los Angeles and I saw Phil Anselmo and I stopped him and I said hey I'm in a band called Cold Chamber we don't have a record deal yet but we're doing really well in Los Angeles my favorite band is Pantera like I'd love to jam with Pantera one day much like people say to me now Mm. and he stopped he put down his thing He, he stopped he told his girlfriend to wait whoever he is with and he said to me you know what fucking you know yeah, keep going, bro. You know, maybe one day you will. First day of the Pantera tour, I'm up on the bus all alone. I get a knock on the fucking door. I open the door. It's Phil Anselmo. He looks right at me and goes, are you the kid that stopped me on Melrose about a year ago? And I said, I am. He goes, get your shit. You're leaving your bus. I thought I was being thrown off the tour. <laughs> when, in real- when in reality, what he was doing is taking me up on his bus threw all my stuff in the bunk underneath him and said, you're living here the rest of the tour. Fuck. So my life went from runaway kids sleeping under bridges, stealing food from AM, PM, uh, in and out of jail to fuck. I have a record deal with Roadrunner records who signed Sepultura who was my favorite band at the time, one of my favorite bands at the time. I'm on tour and people are actually buying our record. I'm on with tour with Pantera and fucking Black Sabbath and Sharon Osbourne is now managing my career. And I grew up on Ozzy. And then it was like, okay, let's just go with it. And had about a, a year and a half period, two year period where it was fantastic. Then the band got on drugs and the rest is history. I fucking, it fell apart. They fired Sharon without my knowledge. I left the band before a show and called them from 30,000 feet in an airplane and the rest is history, you know? And then, then waited, you know? And then you went and started Devil Driver. And when you started out with Devil Driver, did you intentionally go for a different sound because... You, uh, yeah, me, me. Well, it was sort of different. I mean, you got to realize that when I was recording Dark Days, the third Cold Chamber record, I was driving into L.A., recording Dark Days, then driving two hours to Santa Barbara, and then an hour and a half up into the mountains to record all night the Devil Driver demos. Fuck. So I knew that life was coming to an end for that band. I knew that I had had so many heavy influences that I needed to – I needed to get more volatile, more visceral. I, I, you know, they, they had taken the music from the first record to chamber music, which had made me want to quit, but then had brought it back to the sound of dark days. And still for me, well, it was not pushing the fucking envelope enough. It just was not pushing it hard enough. And it's why I left. I, I wanted to do something that had groove that had heaviness that was dark. I've always kept the dark aspect of the band. And, um, I just wanted to do something different at the time. There, there wasn't a lot of people doing what we were doing. And I remember the first record, Roadrunner Records, saying, you know, like, hey, this is a little bit heavy. We need to think about, you know, commerce. We need to think about, you know, money here and radio here because I'd had, I had had radio hits that had just come on their own. We had never spewed our art for money. We just we had found our way to radio somehow, this little band out of L.A., you know. And I just knew I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And... um yeah, I, in life, I would tell everybody listening to this, man, really go with your gut. Do what you want to do in life. And even if you think you're leaving a situation and your life is going to end, like there's something on the other end 
something on the other side, the other wall. There's something on the other side of the door there, you know. So feel feel free to slam those doors and open other windows, you know. It's important in life. Exactly. And and I think was there was it an exciting time from the response that suddenly, you know, you were looking I don't want to say normal, but you know, you didn't have the look of cold chamber anymore and the sound was different. I mean, did it feel invigorating to get that first album out and be like, this is me now? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, the first original pictures, you know, I mean, I got black hair and I'm wearing eyeliner and we're all, you know, there's a little bit of game. There's a little bit of dress up happening, but I had seen what we started get so out of control and start to look so stupid on so many fucking bands that I ran away from what I started because it had become a fucking parody. And now, if you look at bands, like, fucking, I can name you 20 bands that look like Cold Chamber, and it's like, dude, that's been done. Like, you do something else, you know? Like, when we were doing it, it was original, you know? And and Cold Chamber, of course, you know, that's a different story, man. It's a totally different beast. We had more in common with Bauhaus than we did metal. But we did heavy music because we we loved heavy music. So, you know... People had never heard that before. They had never heard a band go, hey, I like Alien Sex Fiend and fucking Bauhaus, you know, uh, and, you know, Sisters of Mercy, but yet here we've got this song, Loco. So mm-hmm. people are like, well, how does that even go together? It's like, believe me, it does, dude. In our world, it does, right? I think art art needs to be, in general, different. Mm. And art needs to be, uh, especially art, needs to be not, not skewed for monetary gain. You know, it's it's the painter that hears... You could make a fortune if you paint more with red and he starts painting more with red. All of a sudden his art is shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that album was, it was weird. I really, that was how I discovered Devil Driver. Um, Okay. Okay. You know, the first album was, I was a, I was a DJ at the time in a metal club and I used to love playing I Could Care Less. And that album, it felt like the fans were behind you, but the critics weren't. Um, and then all the critics suddenly loved you guys when you released Fury of the Maker's Hand, um, which... Oh, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. That that album just um, had... I mean, it feels like it has hit after hit after hit on it. Um, it's an unbelievable time. you got to realize that the scene I was part of fell apart. So, of course, when you go try to start something new and you don't look the same and you don't sound the same, Critics automatically want to fucking blast it. But that's what they do. They're armchair warriors. They've never done anything in their life. They've never done the hard work. They've never started anything or started a scene. You know, the person that I fucking hate in this life is stats guys. Mm. You know those guys that talk stats on sports? Or It's like, dude, why do you know so much about this shit? You've never done it. You've never kicked the ball in your life. You've never made a song in your life. But you feel free to get online and blast people. And here's what happened with that. There was a, uh, a cover of a massive magazine that came out in Europe. And when I released The Fury of Our Maker's Hand, it literally had me on the cover and it said, from zero to hero. And my wife and my wife looked at me and said, zero? You've sold fucking millions of records. And now all of a sudden, because what, Devil Driver is out and people love this record? Like it was the weirdest fucking thing. But you know, critics and... Uh, Oftentimes, people's in magazines, you know, they, they need to they need to find their ups and downs and they need to come after people. It's it's what they do. You know what I mean? Sensationalize anything that they can. 
Oh, all, all the time, all the time. And they, they have a hard time doing it with me because I'm, I'm very private. They have a very hard time doing it with me. And, and people know that the interviews, frankly, are going to stop. Eventually, I'm going to do just do music. I'm not going to do any more interviews. I'm, that's going to be it. So this may be the last one for me and you. I don't know. But well. at this point in my career, at this point in my life, it's like, you know, do I need to sell mm. the art? I don't want to. I don't want to fucking sell the art, man. You know? Well, I think the, and that's one thing you've always had is the music speaks for itself. That's what you've always had. Now, that around that time, you guys literally became known for being one of the very few, you know, and it's something I think is very rare nowadays. The hardworking ethic that Devil Driver had really started to come into initiative. You know, you guys were just grinding at it, playing show after show, tour after tour, is that, is that something that has always been in you to always make sure you get out there and get on the road? I think it's important, man. You know, I mean, I, but this year, like, look at this year, you know, I mean, usually we do 280 shows a year. Mm. This year, we're going to be lucky to do 30 or 40 because it's, it was time to come off this year. It's time to let everybody else do their thing. We can release a record. And my guys are in the studio recording right now. So I just said this year we're going to be home. We're going to take time with our families. We're going to go do specific shows like, you know, we're doing Bloodstock in the UK, uh, do, you know, doing a small week run here in the States with some really big festivals, Incarceration, which is at Shawshank Redemption Prison, uh, which is going to be incredible. Um, and, you know, we're ending the year going to the highest point on earth. We're going to Nepal. So we're going to play in the Himalayas at the Silence Festival, the Personally, I'd like to end the year going to the monastery and checking out Buddhist monks. You know, I think it'd be a learning process. So, yeah, that's that's really what's going down. But we're focusing primarily on music at this point. I really want to focus on music. I, I took a look at the careers and of the lives of the people that I look look towards. And I've seen that they have, you know, in 25 years, they've got 30, 40 records. It's like, you know, I'm only sitting here on 12, 13 records. It's like I am not putting out enough work. And and to try to save what's going on in America, which is like heavy metal and rock in general is just going down the fucking tubes. I think that everybody needs to do what I'm doing, which is try to release a record every 15 to 18 months and start kicking this genre back up. I mean, when I was younger, you got one to two records a year from your favorite metal bands, you know, and that's just stopped. You've got people making records every three years, every four to five years. It's, you know, every five years, it's ridiculous. And they, they wonder why the fucking genre is not doing so well. Well, because you're not servicing the people. So get ready. Double Driver's getting ready to release a ton of music. And, you know, I've never done a double record. It's coming. I've never done a concept record. Con double concept record coming, you know? Do you think Do you think part of why all of that is like dying off and going weird is because of how the industry has changed, that it's now all geared to streaming and downloading. It's no longer about, you know, the physical copy and, you know. Oh, no, no, no. That's that right there. What you just said is the fucking myth. That's what oh. the labels want. That's what the labels want you to believe. That's what the labels want me to believe. But in reality, because I'm a manager and I'm in the business and I see the streaming numbers, let me tell you what's happening. The fucking labels are flush with cash like it's the 1990s again like it's tapes cds and vinyl 
That's how much they're flush with cash because of streaming. Because now the new laws and new everything have come into effect, people are actually, you know, getting paid for streaming. Uh, actually, the labels are. The artists aren't really quite seeing it yet, you know. But you've got, you know, you've got a label that fucking puts out a hip hop artist and he puts out one song and it streams fifty million that day. Well, that brings an awful lot of money into the company. So they want they want artists to believe that. So the artist will go and take a five thousand dollar record deal, when in reality. The label's going to make so much money off them at the end of the day. So I say to any artist listening to this, do your fair research before you sign with anybody. And do your fair research before you do contracts with anybody. And do it correctly and watch your back, you know? But I, I, I come from a scenario where I'm, I'm Italian. And I know early on that in life you have a conciliary. You have an attorney, you know? So I have, I have several attorneys and they watch my back. So, I mean, that that's quite interesting to hear. And, it, yeah, so, okay, so let's go back to what you said there. Um, before we get into this, you know, upcoming covers album, you said there that you're going to release more music. So is it going to be a turnaround of every year or a couple of releases a year or what? No, I'm going to start releasing the record every 15 to 18 months. Okay. 100%. So. 100% and unless I just can't keep up with that. But I'm, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what should be done. I'm gonna try to, you know, look. It's like me getting sober, right? I knew I had to fucking lead by example. There's a whole lot of people watching me, you know. So it's like lead by example. Alcohol's alcohol kills people, so stop drinking. And it's the same thing with music. It's the same thing with anything you do. You got to lead by example. So I think that if the industry starts watching Devil Driver, I had a a manager, an early manager of mine. Uh, actually say to me, the thing that I like about you, Des, is you're the most consistent guy on the planet. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yeah, because I, I don't lay low on my on my laurels. I don't lay back on my fucking laurels. I don't go, hey, cool, I got money. I'm going to disappear for three years. And then I'll come back. People will still be waiting for me. You know, I, I enjoy, I love doing music. I don't want to make people wait for music. You know, and at this point, I'm fortunate. I don't do things for monetary value anymore. I do what the fuck I want in life. That is a freedom I, I hope everybody can experience in life, you know? And so it allows me to do things like this outlaw cover record that's never been done. It allows me to do like what I'm doing now, which is a double record concept album that's going to be a, a staggered release. Uh, and I have a label, and this has to be said, that is beyond behind me, okay? I've been with labels before that it's like, no, we'll tell you what to do. And, it's, and, and whatever we want, you'll do. Napalm Records is quite the opposite. What do you want, Des? What do you want to do, Des? What do your fans want, Des? What can the label do to help you, Des? Not just money. Everything. What do you want to do? Well, you're from Austria. I want to release a fucking outlaw country record done heavy. That They're not supposed to understand that. They're from fucking Germany, dude. They're from Austria, dude. And you know what? They totally understood it. They totally got what I was trying to do. And they got behind it so fucking 110% that it makes you feel good when you have a company behind you, you know? And Outlaws Till the End, you know, when you came up with the idea, were, were, there, were there any naysayers saying, Des, I mean, come on, maybe not a good oh, idea? Absolutely. And did they try and talk you out of it? Well, <laughs> this is great. you know, And I'll share this because I just got off the phone with him this afternoon, but... You know, the guy who started my career and started a lot of guys' careers was Monty Connor. 
from mm-hmm. Roadrunner Records. And he signed me, and he signed Slipknot, and he signed a, he signed a lot of bands, you know? And uh, Roadrunner signed a lot of bands. And he found out that I was doing this and actually hit me up and said, Des, I don't know if this is a good thing for you to do. This is uncharted territory. Uh, this might not be good for the brand. You may want to do this as a Des solo record. And I told him, come on, Monty, you fucking trusted me all my life. Like, what are you doing now? Like, you know, fucking trust me. I mean, we're not even in business together anymore, but we talk to each other about business because he knows I like to make moves that people, you know, I like to fucking make people wonder and, and guess. So this morning I get this email, right? And it's like, it just says in the subject matter, pimping you. And I, and I, and I pull it up and I pull up the email, pimping you. And I look down. And it's Monty Connor talking about me in the press saying that the record is a monster and it's a fucking Herculean effort and that he's totally proud of me. Fuck. So these are guys who, you know, they watch out for me. Hey, man, that's not fucking smart. And I'm like, dude, you know you can't tell me not to do anything. You should have called me and told me it was the best thing I've ever done. I probably wouldn't have done it. And yeah. I am that kid. I am. I have that in me, right? It's the something in me and I don't know what it is. I can't explain it, but I've always been, I've always been a, wait, what did you say? Well, you go fuck yourself. (laughs) Um, and, and Hey, that, that's gotten me, you know, that's, that's helped me and that's hindered me. That's gotten me places in life. And it's, and I've ended up in prison before because of it too. So you got to really watch that when you have that kind of a character trait. And, and I realized that, but getting that email from him today was like a, a, you know, I fucking celebrated with my wife over Mediterranean food. I was like, look at this fucking email. This is fantastic, you know? <laughs> and then you wake up, you wake up to two or three more emails that are like 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10. And you're looking at the magazines and you're like, there's no way this fucking magazine gave me a 10 out of 10. They're so, they're a pure fucking heavy metal mag. They're, they're never going to embrace what the fuck I'm doing. And they did. They embraced it. And they said it was the bravest thing they've ever seen. And yeah, it's been an incredible, like, uh, Incredible turn of events, man. Anytime you do something that is <laughs> fucking different, you know, or out of the box, um, and you don't know what to expect from it, I mean, that's where the joy comes in in doing art. That's where life exists, is in that moment of, what the fuck am I doing? Well, we don't know what we're doing. Just keep going. You know, I doubt, I doubt Pink Floyd knew what the fuck they were doing, you know? But they just kept going, and look what they did. So, yeah, you know... Obviously not comparing myself to one of the greatest bands on earth, but you know how you know what I'm saying. Yeah, and I mean, you guys have done covers over the time. You know, you you did Sale and you've done these other ones, but how did the idea to do an entire album actually manifest? Like, was it maybe we'll do a couple of songs and they just kept going, or is it from the offset we're going to do a whole album? It was. There's going to be three years between records. We cannot have that. So let's do a cover record. It's going to be easy. going to be simple. Get some cool music out there for people. Fucking total opposite. The most insane thing I've ever taken on. Two years in the making. Logistics, complete insanity. Money ran out halfway through. Fuck. Like it was... Yeah, it was insane. It was insane to get it fucking done. So... For me, it was like, just like, just keep putting your fucking nose to the grindstone. And I knew that we wanted to do a cover record. And look, I'm not going to do punk rock tunes. Fucking everybody's done it. You know, I mean, Slayer's done it. Fucking 
Burn the Priest, you know, my bros, they just released it. You know, like everybody's, you know, bands cover 80s songs. You know what I mean? Uh, 80s pop tunes. You know, everybody's covering fucking 80s pop tunes. It's like I don't ever walk on the same ground that people have tread. And literally yesterday we were walking up. Uh, me and my wife were taking a hike on this place called the Plateau. And I, I hung a left where there was no trail. And she's like, where are you going? And I go, we're going this way. And she's like, why? I go, because there's footprints going that way. <laughs> there's, a fucking, there's a million people that have walked down that trail. I'm not interested. you know. And so it's the same way musically for me. It's really the same way in life for me. I'm also a, a creature of habit. I mean, I can eat at the same restaurant daily you know, if I like it. So that's a weird dichotomy for me too. Like I don't like change. I'm a total creature of habit. I mean, if I come home and something in my house, the light has been moved or something, I'm like, what the fuck? But then again, in my artistic side, in my work, I don't like to tread over any ground that's been the same or that's been walked on. It's a strange dichotomy. Now, was it, was it, what do you think's harder though? Um, creating your own music or creating a new spin on something that's already been written? Man, I don't know. You, you know, this, I could say we went into it blindly. We knew that we wanted to do outlaw country stuff. We knew we wanted it to be, you know, volatile sounding. We didn't want it to be placid. That, that's, that's the, that, the thing there. And then you, you wonder what's going to happen out of it. So I can give you an example. It was a couple nights ago, a friend of mine uh, texted me, and he's in Dallas. And he's like, look, I'm, get, I'm at this nightclub right now. I'm getting some shots with some friends. And he sent me a poster of a flyer. And the poster said, next Thursday night, seven local heavy metal bands come out. Uh, local, yeah, local heavy metal bands come out and cover their favorite outlaw country songs heavy. <laughs> come, come see the, uh, the sling down. Like, come see the heavy metal country sling down. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, I've seen it before with new metal. I definitely have seen it with fucking groove metal, with devil driver influence people. But then this, and I kind of told my wife, oh my God, like, I mean, in, in a year or two, if you have a ton of these kind of bands out there, we're going to get some really fucking good music because we're, the scene is dying to fucking get something new, dude. And I don't mean new as in the youngest band or the newest band. I mean, somebody fucking do something new. You know what I mean? And I, I love, there's so much killer music out right now. There's so many killer fucking new bands out there right now that are young killer hot bands but you know they need to do something different they need to do something unique you know now with, with this outlaws till the end was you know you said it was a, a long process was it also a long process you know picking the songs because there's a lot of country music songs you could have picked from i mean how did you get it down to what you did Right. The, that really came easy because it's like, well, we're doing outlaw record. So we need to cover the outlaws. Mm -hmm. Cash, Cash, Waylon, Willie, Hank. Let's pick the songs that best embody those guys. After that, let's go add the tunes that we want. So after we picked those songs, uh, Neil brought in Thousand Miles to Nowhere by Dwight. I brought in Outlaw Man by the Eagles. Mike brought in Dad's Gonna Kill Me. And that's how the that's how it came together. And And... And we really looked at it hard. It's like, look, does Outlaw Man by the Eagles, is that an outlaw country song? And I'm like, yeah, it is. You ever seen the Eagles? They're always dressed in cowboy boots and fucking bullet belts across their chest, always taking pictures in front of old saloons, 
you know, I'm going to give you a history lesson, but their favorite band was the Burrito Brothers, who was a country fucking project. You know what I mean? Like, so yes, they fit. Or like Dwight Yoakam, total outlaw. That guy doesn't write for the fucking radio. If he sees radio success, it's because people love him. He's not sitting there writing a song going, I wonder if this is going to make it on the radio. Those are the kind of artists that I, I look forward to hearing their music, covering their music, listening to their stories. Uh, we've got something terrible going on right here in America, and it's crossing over into Europe, the UK, and you guys. Mm. A lot of the heavy metal bands that are out right now being glorified as heavy metal bands because they have a big draw or they sell records are actually not. They're radio bands. Mm-hmm. That have they're glorified active rock radio bands that have five to ten writers writing their shit. They have fifty fifty deals with their labels. They got people backstage making sure they're wearing a fucking jacket with spikes on it because punk rock is in. And it's fucking happening across the board in America. If you don't sell out and write a fucking song for the radio, you're gonna have no career. If you don't play dress up games and do it, you're gonna have no career. I refuse it. I refuse it all. I put my fucking middle finger up. I put my fist in their face as hard as I can. And I'm going to do it until my dying day. And, you know, it's fucking sad in America right now. And this is why we did this record. It's sad in America right now when you used to have a band like Pantera draw 10,000 fucking people a night on their own merit doing heavy metal. If they landed on the radio, it's because they came from their own fucking merit. And now the bands that are doing that, they got to bring out bands like fucking... You know, they got to bring out glorified active rock bands on tour. They got to write, they got to write fucking active rock pop songs. They got to have writers and producers write their fucking music to keep their career alive. And guess what, dude? I am the face of fuck you. And if they're not careful, I may just fucking spell their name out. I may just go fucking in interviews and just tell you 10 names all fucking doing it. That the producers are writing their songs that the fucking writers are writing their shit, that people are dressing them. Like, go ahead. You want to hear them? All I got to do is fucking say their names and they'll lay them to fucking rest. But you know what? I'm a gentleman. And I'm going to watch them die on their own fucking merit as bands like that I look up to stay heavy and do their thing and stay in the trenches. Oh, amen. Like, fuck yes. I mean, it's one thing I've been championing on this podcast is that music is no longer feels like it doesn't have substance it's all driven for that radio accessibility um okay so it's skewed it's skewed for monetization mm. i gave you the, i gave you the painter story you know if you, hey you're a painter if you use more red i can sell your paintings and that dude he starts using red the minute he does he's no longer a fucking artist mm. no longer a fucking artist he's a fucking shrewd salesman and i'm going to tell you dude over here in the united states i'm watching it Time and time again. Oh, you know this band? They're getting they're big now. You know they draw they draw now fifteen hundred people. They this they're all over the radio. Yeah, because fucking four dudes wrote that one song. They had nothing to do with it. She has no. He has. She has no connection to the fucking lyrics they're singing whatsoever. And 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 they won't even do fucking meet and greets anymore because you know they got so much money they're going to go buy a steak after fucking dinner. You know, it's just dude I. I've watched in America what's happening, and I'm fucking stoked that there's bands like Cannibal Corpse still alive. Bands like fucking, you know, obviously we're not as heavy as that, but bands like Devil Driver, or bands that are at least fucking staying true to what we believe is true art. I mean, you know, 
And think about it too, dude. I'm a music lover. I love it all. Bauhaus, Black Flag, the blues. I fucking can listen to it all. But as soon as it's sappy, as soon as it's uh, pop, as soon as it's sold for commercial purposes, oh, I fucking tune out immediately. And I can smell it a mile away, dude. And I'm fucking surprised that a lot of the fans all over the world are not smelling some of this bullshit that they're being handed to. It's unbelievable for me. It's crazy. And like you said, there's no longevity in it. It's it's going to die. And when it dies, it's going to be a very quick crash. It's going to... And you know, and it's, and it's totally cool. They can take their, their, their platinum records or they can take their money or they can take their whatever. I'd rather fucking go down and leave a legacy for people like you who grew up listening to me. You know, like my wife knows, on my headstone is to be a fucking middle finger. Period. Like, and that's that. I mean, and, and my whole life I've kind of been that way. I've been against the grain my, my whole fucking life. And that is the only way to go. Otherwise, you end up being a sheep, and especially in art. You know, you, you have art that skews itself for monetization. You lose the artist in the currency that mm-hmm. they're fucking trying to get. Uh, it's, it's, it's a sad state of affairs. We're going to have to see what happens. There, there are some bands, definitely some younger bands coming out. Uh, on the scene that are fucking heavy, to, you know, telling everybody just to fuck themselves and like, like, let me give you an example: Code Orange, yes. you know, or 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 Power Trip, you mm. know, they're 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 coming out going fuck you, you know, and I love it, and it's good in the face of all this bullshit active rock music, man. It's refreshing that there are some of those bands, and then there's still bands like you said, like yourselves, Cannibal Corpse, those ones still not only have the longevity but the actual musicianship and integrity still going on um i wanted to just ask one other question with outlaws till the end you've always been someone who i respect and love for how honest and uh personal you are with your lyrics now when it comes to writing your own music it must be pretty easy to switch on that mode and get in the zone and really give it a hundred percent did it take any extra um, push to get it out and sound as intense with a covers album? No, I'll tell you what we had to do. We had to throw ourselves in the moment, and I had to catch people in the moment. So I had to catch John Carter Cash at the Cash Cabin in the moment. In the moment of him going, like, you want me to use my heavy voice? Or you want me to use my John Carter Cash voice? I'm like, just be John Carter Cash. And like Randy, how do you want me to be? Just be Randy. Or like when we did Whiskey River, he was here at my house. I said, what do you want to do? I said, listen to it, dude. It's a black metal song. Use your highest fucking screaming register that you've got. And I'm going to use mine, which is higher than yours. And it's going to be fucking sick. And we did. But we could have easily said to each other, hey, dude, maybe we should skew this a little. Maybe we should make this chorus like kind of clean and singy and shit. Maybe this thing can make it to radio. Shit. Maybe it'll make us a few dollars. You think those conversations happen between me and fucking my one of my fucking best friends, Randy? No. Fuck no. No way in hell. No way in fucking hell. As we're sitting at my house drinking N.A. beers, listening to fucking Black Flag, are we having those fucking conversations? <laughs> <laughs> now, now the, the other question is, you know, are you going to, with so many guest vocalists... Are you going to try and, I mean, it would be Mission Impossible probably, but are you going to try and get everyone together to at least play these songs live a couple of times? Because it'd be great. God, I'd love to, dude. I just don't know. 
just trying to get the record done was impossible. I, I say right now to any band listening to this, if you want to go try to attempt this, have fun. Logistically, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. I'd like to get, like, say I roll in Nashville. Like, we're, we're going into Nashville Monday to, to rehearse. We're going to rehearse in Nashville and start the tour in Nashville. If John Carter wants to come out and sing, cool. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, if, we roll, if we roll into L.A. and leaving from fear wants to come out and sing, cool. We'll play the song, right? But we are, we are talking in Nashville about adding one or two or three songs. We just, don't, we just don't know because this thing was not meant for that. It was like truly meant to give uh, people something to listen to in the interim. Mm. But we also had no idea that the hype and, and this thing would I, – I had no idea this thing would take off like it is. And now it's like, hey, man, what songs are you going to play live? And we're like, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know? So. And then, and, then we didn't know, and then we didn't know if the songs would fit. And, it, and then what, but once you listen to the record, you realize every one of those songs would fit in a Devil Driver set. So that's, that's cool, too, you know? It is a sick album. I've already been lucky to have a listen. And um, I'm waiting on my pre-order. And I can't wait to get my CD in vinyl and add it to my collection. Um, it's just, I love Badass. it. I love it. It's um, it it as as you've said, and as anyone who might have heard anything that was released, it is Devil Driver, but it's Devil Driver in a new, unique setting. Um, and it's really exciting. And if you like Devil Driver, you need this in your collection. That's all I got to say to anyone who hasn't heard it yet. Um, Thanks, man. We appreciate that. We appreciate that for sure. Now, I always wrap things up with on my podcast with a bit of an interesting subject uh, and segment. It's called Pick Your Poison. Now, what I do is we imagine that you've only got one option for the rest of your life. So I give you two and you pick that one and that's the one you're sticking with until the day you die. It's just kind of like a would you rather kind of thing. Okay. Okay, so some will be easy, some will be hard. So we'll start things off. Pizza or burger? Um, vegan. Oh, which one? Vegan pizza or vegan burger? Vegan pizza because I'm Italian. Okay. Tomato sauce or barbecue sauce? Tomato sauce. Okay. Cooking or dining out? Cooking. Okay. Cinema or couch? Couch. All right. Beach or snow? Beach. Wow, you're finding these easy. Um, no problems. <laughs> <laughs> now, this one might be hard because I know you got both. Cat or dog? Both. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have, four, I have four rescue cats and two rescue dogs. I'm not giving up any of them. <laughs> <laughs> Terminator or Predator? Predator. Okay. Freddy or Jason? Don't like either. Don't like slasher movies. Don't like anything that kills. Okay. MacGyver or Walker... Texas Ranger. <laughs> Walker, Texas Ranger, for sure. <laughs> okay, some music ones. Metallica or Megadeth? I'm friends with both. Metallica. Okay, Sabbath or Van Halen? Sabbath. Uh, Slayer or Pantera? Fuck you. You can't <laughs> do that to me. Those are, my bro those are my bros. I knew it wouldn't be an easy one. Oh, my God. I got to be honest, though. I can't fucking sit here like I'm, you know, like I can't sit here and say that Slayer was a massive influence to me when I was younger because they weren't. But Pantera was. Okay. 
Mush- and you know, keep in mind, keep in mind, Carrie's one of my closest friends. He lives 15 minutes from me, so I gotta watch him. <laughs> <laughs> now, this one um, would be a bit of an interesting one: Wall of Death or Circle Pit? Circle Pit, that's my shit. Now, I'll just just a quick side one. Can you can you delve into or tell me anything about that infamous uh, Guinness Book of Records attempt in 2007 at? Uh, download when you tried to nope. get the biggest circle yeah, no, pit ever. Yeah, no, yeah, nobody died. <laughs> <laughs> when you have thirty thousand people in a fucking pit, I mean, you have people. You can see in the video people climbing out, trying to climb up on the rails to get out of what was happening. Um, it's a cultural thing. Mm. It's it's the same way. If you went and saw tribes, they would be doing cultural things, and I think. Uh, circle pit, uh, pitting in general, uh, wall of death, all of that is a cultural thing in our form of music. I'm just proud to be, you know, I guess the spokesman for pit. I mean, everybody's mm-hmm. trying to always get it. everyone in my industry, and it's cool if other people read this, I love it. Everybody in my industry is always trying to beat Devil Driver, Circle Pit. We're always trying to get pits like Devil Driver. But the bottom line is that shit happens organically. You can't make it happen. You can tell people what you're about to do. But really, all they wanted, to, all they could do, is just put their finger up to you and just stand there, and you'd be fucked. So it's really the crowd who chooses to do that. I don't have anything to fucking do with it. And it's something happening with Devil Driver. I mean, right now we just got an email uh, this morning by our agent that said there's uh, almost there's eleven clubs in the United States right now that will not book us <laughs> because because of our shows getting just get too intense, too insane for the club. And so I just had to take a million and a half dollar policy out in order to go do shows. Fuck. So you know what? If my reputation precedes me, hell is coming with me. <laughs> See what I'm saying? And that that's fine. I mean, music has lost a volatile, visceral feel. When I was younger and used to go to punk rock gigs down in downtown LA, like a place called the Olympic, if you do some Googling, this place called the Olympic had the V fucking punk rock shows back in the day. You would walk in and think that there was going to be violence. You didn't know what was going to happen. You know, the environment was ripe for fucking everything. And there, that's just not happening anymore. And I'm not saying violence. I'm just saying it's just all so fucking placid. Mm. Every, you know, I mean, even the bands that are putting on the, you know, now the big thing in metal now is like, hey, you got to have a show. People want to see a show. It's like I'm watching the bands put on those fucking big shows and put on all those costumes and all that. And it's very placid, isn't it? It it's is. Very, it's very kind of theater, isn't it? I don't, I don't like theater in my fucking music. No. I don't. I want, I, want, I want it to be aggressive. I want it to push me. I want it to fucking feel real. I want it to feel rough and raw. I want it to feel like somebody's scratching their fucking... Uh, hand up and down a raw brick face. I want it to be. I want it to rip your fucking skin. That's what punk rock, real blues, real outlaw country, real metal does. It fucking scars you for life. It doesn't leave you going, "Ooh, what a catchy little tune!" And what great costumes. <laughs> Fuck that. Fuck all that. And then you know, too, like Devil Driver is far from the band that's going to be putting my hand together, like showing you hearts on stage too. Oh, because yeah. you know, you know, luck. Yeah, I love you. And I want you to love me. And we should love everybody, especially nowadays where the world is at. Love is all we got. But you know what? Shows are meant for you to let it all go, man. Mm -hmm. Let it all fucking out. Scream. 
dance. If you need to, have a cocktail. Get it out, man, because life is hard. Music is the place you go to. It's the fucking spot I went to. It's my saving grace. Without music, I definitely would have been gone from this planet, for I, sure. And like you said, I mean, anyone that hasn't been to a Devil Driver show, I don't know what you've been doing since 2003, but it just happens. That circle pit, all that chaos just kicks off, and it's amazing. Um and hopefully we'll see you here soon so we can catch that um, again because we've seen you a lot and it's always entertaining. Now, I've got two left in my Pick Your Poisons and then we'll wrap things up. And it's, do you prefer touring or recording? <sighs> Considering how long you just spent <laughs> you, you be quiet. You be quiet, Mrs. Fafara. They're not doing the interview with you. <laughs> you be, she's like, she's like, She's like recording because you're home. I'm like, <laughs> well, I, I will tell you this. Um, I'm a fucking road dog. I have a very hard time. I'm pacing as we talk. Mm-hmm. I have a very hard time being at home. I'm not a guy who sits on the couch and watches TV. Uh, but I run four or five different businesses. I run a management company, two bands, Sun Cult with myself and Randy and my wife and my kids. So it keeps me busy. But I'll answer this question like this. I would normally say touring. But this year, I've enjoyed, uh, and this has nothing to do with my family. I love my family. But I've enjoyed being home, and I've also really enjoyed being in the studio creating multiple things. So this year, think about it. I went and did an Outlaw cover country record with 12 tunes, and now we're in the studio recording 25 songs for a double record. That will mean in in one year, I've been able to, to put out 35 35, 36, 37 tracks. Fuck. And with as many people in the last two years that I've buried, from best friends to band members of bands that I love, I realize it's about leaving a mark, leaving a scar, and not leaving so many fucking miles on the road because that's preventing me from leaving more music. So now I have to learn how to balance that. You know, and it's why I'm going to release a record every 15 to 18 months. And it's why I'm going to start staggering records, because over here, I don't know what's going on in Australia, but heavy metal and rock like, I mean, Gene Simmons almost was, I mean, he's kind of right. You know, I mean, it's really taking a fucking hit over here. And I mean, I mean hard, you know, and here's why, though. It's like, oh, this genre is taking a hit. Well, no shit. You motherfuckers only give everybody a record every four years. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck is the plant dying? Oh, because you haven't fucking fed it in four years, dude. You mm-hmm. haven't watered the plant in four years. It's dying. So I'm going to fucking be the change that I see. Kick a record up every 15 to 18 months. Push every single fucking band around me to do the same. Tell them if they can't do it, they're fucking lazy. And they can't, they're not real bands. And push them. Push them to get my fucking beloved heavy metal back on the fucking back where it should be in the United States. That's the bottom line. And, and you know, if I have a fucking my say so, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Oh, I'm fucking excited. More music. Yes. Give me more music. I'm fucking totally. And you know yes. what, dude, you know what too? Uh, and I said this before and, 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 and a journalist just told me this morning that I was right. So I feel good about it. I said, devil driver is going to get better as the years go. I said, get ready. So we went from the first record to the Fury, right? And we went from, you know, and then we just laid out Trust No One. 
That was our highest debut in our whole entire fucking career and has outsold any record. By now, a band like that on their seventh, eighth release should be done, dude. And we're not. We just released, we're getting ready to release this record and the pre-sale is already higher than Trust No One. And what it's realized, what we've realized is we're growing so much together as a band and as musicians. We're finding things that work that have never worked. We found out on this record that, that pedal slide guitar, lap steel, goes fucking incredible with heavy metal. We found out that Neil has an incredible singing voice, my guitar player, and when we sing together, we've got a crazy thing that fucking happens on choruses, and you can hear it on, on some of the tunes on this record. So we'll be using that in the future. It's like we're finding secret weapons every song we do, and we're applying those secret weapons to next records, and the fucking next records and the next records are going to just keep getting better and better and different, and fucking they're going to keep pushing this genre and keep pushing away from whatever we are and keep pushing into some places we aren't. That's what art is all about. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. That is sick. So excited. Um... Last one, would you prefer CD or vinyl? Because I know you're a fan of vinyl. I see it on your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I just well, I just started getting my kids into vinyl like two years ago. And um, what's really cool is like, you know, they're going to buy they're going to buy Migos and they're going to buy rap stuff, or, you know, but you go up there the other night and they're listening. There's like black flag is up there nice. on the turntable. And I'm like, I'm not the one that put it on. So it's like my record collection is now turning my kids onto old school punk rock, which is badass. I'll take vinyl, man. Fuck yeah. Um, Des, I've got to say, uh, wow, like this, uh, I was nervous at the start and this has exceeded all my expectations and you're an absolute fucking legend and thank you for taking time out for me and thank you for making one of my big goals and dreams to chat to you a reality and an amazing experience, dude. Thank you so much. No, no problem, brother. And I wish you all the luck with whatever you're doing. And I hope that, that, you know, whatever your dream is takes you, you know, sails you down that pathway, man, and gets you to where you want to go. And So that was my chat with Des of Devil Driver and Cold Chamber fame. Thank you again, Des. Really, really appreciate it. Massive fan, massive opportunity for the show and an absolute legend for taking time out for the show. So that is the Mosh Zone episode 26 in the can. We are done for this week. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a first time listener, thank you for tuning in and I hope you come back again. If you're a regular listener, thank you as always for tuning in. Now, of course, don't forget, if you've got time this week, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. Also, if you have time this week, don't forget, give us a share. Share the podcast on your social medias. And don't forget, please make sure you like and subscribe to our social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are at The Mosh Zone. Don't forget to subscribe to our website. The website is www.themoshzone.com. So get in touch, send us some feedback, help us grow this Mosh Zone community. So thank you again. Have a safe week. Open the perch.